Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. Today the theme is Grace for Grace, and please enjoy this clip recorded in 1994. I, I want to say this tonight. When God introduced Grace for Grace in all the epistles, there's not one single word meant about restitution. There is restitution in the judicial system. Eye for an eye. If you murder someone, the Bible teaches in Genesis 9, 6 on, our life should be taken. In the judicial system, there's accountability. But for everything else, it is not restitution. Let me, let me show you how God does it. Other than Luke, which is before the law was fulfilled, you can't show me one case of restitution. Not one outside of the judicial system. Let me tell you why. Saul has murder in his heart. And David said, I've got grace. I'm going to give him grace for the grace that I've got. How many understand that? Jacob said, I got grace and I'm going to give grace to Laban when I had to work seven more years for, for Rachel. See, it's grace upon grace upon grace because we've received the fullness made complete by grace. We were saved by grace in Ephesians 2.8. We stand in grace in Romans 5.2. We grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Peter 3.18. And when we have problems in mountains in Zechariah 4.7, we shout grace, grace unto it. We don't, we don't struggle, strive, or fight. We shout grace, grace to our problems. Because we're standing in it. Now, the reason that the Bible is so special upon this business of grace is Abraham was betrayed by Lot. And when Lot got in trouble, Abraham went down to rescue him without a word. You know why? Grace for grace. Abraham got grace when he failed with Hagar. He's going to give Lot grace. Then Sodom and Gomorrah come under judgment. He prays as an intercessor in Genesis 18 and pleads with God until he gets down to ten righteous. I don't want, what he was saying was, I don't want Lot to die. That's what he was saying. And his family. He didn't bring up anything bad about Lot. He just said, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And after the number ten, I'll save them if ten people are righteous. Abraham never asked again. Then the Bible says they both went to their place. But do you know what God did for Abraham? He saved, he saved Lot. Didn't save Sodom and Gomorrah, but he saved Lot. And did you ever wonder... After what happened with Lot's daughters getting drunk and committing that wicked sin of molesting his daughters so he could have his, they wanted the seed to continue. That was the purpose behind it. Did you ever wonder why in Second Peter 2.7 he's called righteous Lot? And not one single thing is mentioned about him but that he was righteous? 
You read about the faith heroes in Hebrews 11. Do you read about anybody's sins in Hebrews 11? They're all heroes. Why? Because faith covered everything they ever did and their faith pleased God and made them heroes. I think one of the most precious things in all the world is to be a good steward of God's grace on every single side of our life in 1 Peter 4.10, poikilos. That means give grace on every side. And grace will teach us to deny ungodliness. And grace will teach us to live quietly and holy before God. And grace will teach us to be blessed. And grace will teach us to go on with Jesus Christ. Listen, there are two Many ministries that don't understand that grace means to act, but to act in being favored by God. Grace is favor of God and depends upon His character, not ours. But when Jesus both did and then spoke, that means He did everything to show us grace. Now, I, uh, I love it. That when God got so angry with the Jewish people, when they started dancing and made the golden calf, when he got so angry, Moses was angry. And then just like that, Moses said, if you're going to send my people to hell, send me to hell too. Quite a statement. Paul said in Romans 9, 3, I wish I could go to hell if my Jewish brethren after the flesh could be saved. That's quite a statement. You know, there's a condition in the church today in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. The Word of God says, Rejoice when a believer is honored. When he's successful, rejoice. And weep when he weeps. In Romans 12:15, the 16th verse says, Condescend to men, low estate. Do you know when some pastors hear a missionary is being blessed or a church is being blessed, they don't rejoice, they get funny. Because they don't have a grace walk with God. They're competing. And when you don't love as God loves, you start competing and comparing in the flesh. And listen, I'm going to close with this. Believe me, the only thing that can release us from a spirit of competition, the only thing that can release us from jealousy, from pride, from insecurity, from lust, the only thing that can release us from fear, materialistic lust, status symbol lust, power lust, the only thing that can release us, hear me now in closing, is brokenness. Is brokenness. He who inhabits eternity but also inhabits the high and holy place but him who has a broken heart he revives the heart of the broken. He quickens the heart of the meek. In Isaiah 57:15, this is what it means. I don't care what a person is going through. If they'll become broken by God's presence and broken by God's grace, 
they will be quickened into the life of Jesus Christ because they're broken. We cannot make a fair show in the flesh in Galatians 6.12. We cannot strive. And the greatest thing in the world that we can say to God, I'm going to go from faith to faith. When we allow the Word of God to break us, God doesn't have to chastise us. I've always figured it this way. Break me with the Word and don't chastise me. Genesis 10.24, they said, Deal with me, God, but don't discipline me. Don't chastise me. 23. Listen. We can go to God and love His truth and let the Holy Spirit through Calvary break us and break us and stop defending ourselves and let the brokenness allow the Spirit of God's presence to manifest grace. Then He manifests mercy. That takes care of the cause and effect. Then He manifests peace. And you walk away. Like you've never done a thing. And it's all in a second. It's supernatural. Salvation is supernatural. Creation is supernatural. We know God not just as creator. We know him as creator. But we know him as redeemer. We know him as Lord. We know him as our friend. We know him as our lover. We know him as our restorer. We know him as as our victory. We, we know Him in intimacy. We know Him as uh, an answer to prayer. We know Him as our sanctifier and baptizer. We know Him as the lover of our soul. We know Jesus Christ says He will do it for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24 And when we esteem His words more than our food and we're broken, we release the nature of grace we begin to express the life of mercy. We begin to uh, manifest a state of peace all because we're broken and the Holy Spirit is flooding us with the love that sent the Savior to Calvary. I, uh, I can't even tell you, 1996 at the end of it, you watch out in Russia. Watch out cataclysmic things in America before year 2000. I mean cataclysmic things where it's not going to be a thousand dying. You watch it. And, and the remnant, if we pray, if we pray and believe and obey God in the measure of our obedience will be the measure we will not have wounds. The measure of our obedience will be the measure we will not have pain. And the measure of our obedience will be the measure that we have power in prayer. And the measure of our obedience is the measure that will bless and bring other people out of their problems. And the measure of our obedience to God will be the measure we'll win souls. And in the measure of disobedience is the measure I have wounds. It's the measure. This is what you do. You get alone with God and you say, Lord any area that I'm not obeying the Word of God, I'm going to get it right no matter what it costs me. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, and get up and say, now, I'm going to walk in faith obedience. 
My, I will be blessed and my body will be healed and my emotions will be healed and my heart will be healed and my friendships will be healed in the measure that I am obedient is the measure that brokenness comes in and the nature of God goes out to those that do not deserve it. Saul, you old culprit, you didn't deserve those words of David. You must have been up in heaven because you went where Samuel was, so therefore Samuel wasn't in hell. Pentecostals. Pentecostals preached Saul went to hell. I don't know what Bible they're reading. He went where Samuel was. Was Samuel in hell? Saul's wicked sins were paid for and Saul was forgiven and even though he was disciplined unto physical death early and he was and even though his kingdom went to David and it did by the same token he still was forgiven and still went to heaven but he suffered loss of rewards but he's in heaven and you'll see him when you're there. By the way, you won't know anything about what he did because all the former things will be wiped away. The minute you leave this body, not just in Revelation 21.4, the minute your soul leaves this body, or you have a brand new glorified body, you think God is going to let you remember in heaven? Forget it. He's not going to let you clutter up that place by asking Him questions. The thing that I love is that throughout the entire Word of God, there's one theme. Here it is, and I'm closing. I love you forever. Will you love everybody else the way I love you through the Spirit? I've forgiven you forever. Will you forgive everybody else the way I forgave you? I've been very patient with you. Will you be patient with them? I've given you grace in your standing in it. Will you give them grace? And I've said before, the judgment seat of Christ for the believer is going to be all based upon receiving and giving grace. Not another thing. The rewards that grace gets you, soul winning crowns, suffering crowns. But the whole thing was, was you established in Hebrews 13, 9b in something you didn't deserve? And did you use it and believe it and give it out through faith? Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. John 1.16 And of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. Amazing, even the construction of the Greek of that verse. Charis anti charis. Grace for grace. Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth. In the person of the Messiah, truth, the objective description of reality, and grace, not an attribute of God, but God's method of dealing with those who have favor with him, those who are in relationship with him. All those who are in relationship with him have favor. This is the nature of having a relationship with God. 
And so to say that grace is unmerited favor is not doing justice to the word because it implies that merit has something to do with favor, and it doesn't. It's the relationship that's in the Trinity, that each member, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, it's the nature and method that they use in relating to one another. God's holiness, God's justice, makes it so that a relationship is not possible when sin is in the picture. And this is the beautiful thing about the salvation we have in Christ is that through his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, because of his shed blood, our transgressions are blotted out and justice is taken care of. And all those who have received the gift of righteousness are now in a relationship with God. Now, God always maintains that relationship from his end. But it is possible that we would abandon or be cut off in our own way and our, our experience of knowing God. And this is, in a sense, this grace for grace, grace for grace, receiving grace, giving grace, receiving grace, giving grace. The relationship is maintained on God's end. So even if a man or a woman is is chastised and eventually taken home to heaven because of the sentence, a physical death because they will not uh, live in reality, but in, but instead choose to live in deception and in a lie, in stubbornness. Still, the relationship is maintained by God. God is waiting to be gracious to us. In John 17:22, and the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, that we would function towards one another in grace. In Galatians. 4, nine, The Galatians are being chided. But now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Grace makes us free. It nullifies any idea that we can earn that freedom, or that we deserve something from God, because we know that sin would have condemned us. But God doesn't give us according to our sin. It says in Psalm 130, verse 3, O, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? That doesn't mark iniquities of those he's in a relationship with. And neither do we mark the iniquities of those we are in a relationship with. And this whole account, I won't read it in Matthew 18, 24 through 35, this idea that this sovereign forgives the debt of what it appears to be one of his governors, because the debt that's accrued is so large it would not be individual. It was likely a man who was in charge of a province or area and to give taxes and did not give them. And, and he was pardoned. In a political way, this governor and this sovereign had a relationship. That relationship was based on grace as far as that person who was owed the tax money was concerned. But when he saw how he treated his servants, and he didn't treat them with grace. Now, we see that and we understand that we, how can two walk together unless they agree? In 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ, 
This is the true God and eternal life. This is the life that we've been given by the gospel. That we understand the gospel is the description, is the is in the method, it's the it's the good news of what can happen to a person when they receive Christ and what does happen to a person continually when they live in Christ. In Hebrews three ten, speaking of God's relationship with Israel, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. God's ways are gracious, merciful, forgiving. This grace, this idea, but it, it isn't such a, this idea grace is just like pours out all these riches on you all the time. That this, that grace is, is the broken piggy bank of God. But no, it's, it's the, it's the method of the relationship that we have with God. Just as Christ had a relationship with the Father, but went to the cross and suffered persecution. And we see this with the apostles. We see this all through the scriptures. When we receive the grace of God, it doesn't mean our life is going to be easy. It means that we have an ongoing relationship of receiving and giving with God. And in that relationship, Christ has overcome the world. And so he, and he has a desire, it says, to give us the kingdom. It is amazing. It says in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know, even as also I am known. And what does that mean? It means that there will be a day standing before this Christ that I've, believed in, I've known through my life, but never seen, never talked to, but in person. There'll be that day when we stand before him, when we're in his presence. And the way that we will relate to God is through grace. Just as he's related to us through grace, honor, mercy, all of the attributes of God are manifested through this method of grace. It says in John 10:14, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and I am known of mine. Yes. Yes. Hebrews 10.29 A warning of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Oh, the Spirit of God is... The spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. We quench the spirit. We grieve the spirit. When we fall short of the grace of God. When we don't live in receiving from God. Not based on merit. But based on relationship. Based on asking. Based on believing. Based on knowing his character. Based on being filled with his word. His objective truth. We, we live in an ongoing walk with God going where he's going, responding to the conviction when he convicts us, living not as unto ourselves, but as ones who are bought with a price. And we receive grace for grace in that ongoing relationship. And we give grace. We give grace liberally to everyone. Everyone. Those who are good to us. Those who are not good to us. Those who love us. Those who profess to be our enemies. We give them grace. We give them mercy. 
It's amazing. The omniscience, the all power of God. He is God Almighty. Mm. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth in Revelation 19.6. He's everywhere present. And Jesus spoke words. Uh, to hear them, people heard them and they marveled. How does this man speak like this? Who speaks like this? Because he gave grace. He gave grace words. Grace for grace doesn't remember iniquity. In Hebrews 8.12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So would you enter into a relationship with God today? It's available to you. It's available. God has had great mercy on mankind. Mercy is given to all. All God gives us air to breathe. He gives us sweet fruits to eat. He gives us wonderful things beyond measure, beyond counting. Life is very difficult at times, but it's not because of God's creation or what God has given. It's because man has fallen into hard times and has put ourselves individually and corporately as a race into very difficult places. And yet the goodness of God is evident all around us. His mercy, His love. But to experience a relationship with Him, to experience the grace of God, first we must come to God through His Son. And we must understand the free gift of righteousness that Jesus would give to us, which would allow us to experience the grace of God, the relationship with the Father. Did you know that Jesus died 2,000 years ago, that he was buried, that he actually rose from the grave? And there were many witnesses that saw him resurrected. And these things are recorded in the New Testament. Would you mix that faith that God has given every man and woman? There's a measure of faith where you can trust in this truth. You can mix faith with the Word of God, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God will come into your life and save you. Pray a prayer with me in faith. God, I pray, have mercy on me. I receive this free gift that you've won for me, that you've paid for me. And I ask you to come into my life and save me. And I pray this prayer believing in Jesus' name. Amen.